Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. There is a very dangerous and very effective destabilization campaign underway against this president, his administration, and his agenda. And what I hope that the president and his senior aides understand is that these forces are not just looking to delegitimize him. We often talk about that. Sure, they want to do that. They want to personally destroy him, destroy his presidency, and they would like to see the man in prison. I hope that the president understands I am not overstating this, having been a victim of this myself. They are out for blood. And the reason they have to destroy him is that Donald Trump is an alien organism that has been injected into the body politic by the American people to reform it. He must not be allowed to succeed. They have swarmed him. They have swarmed everybody around him in order to reject him out of the, the system, just like any alien organism. He must not be allowed to succeed. And I hope that everybody around him now understands that this is a war and that they started a long time ago. But they will not end until they get the president of the United States. Hey, guys, it's Monica Crowley, and this is the Monica Crowley podcast. Thank you so much for joining me as we begin yet another week. And this is President's Day week. By the way, if you're not already following me on social media, check me out on Instagram at Monica Crowley underscore. I have two fantastic pictures that I posted yesterday for President's Day that will make you smile so check me out on Instagram, also on Twitter, and True Social at Monica Crowley. You can also reach me by email at Podcast at gmail.com. This show is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. And I'm always happy to hear from my fellow happy warriors. All right, just a housekeeping note. Later this week, actually Thursday morning, I am going to be on the main stage at CPAC speaking about the election and the Democrats in particular. You are not going to want to miss this. So if you haven't already gotten your tickets to CPAC right outside Washington, D.C., go and get them now. CPAC.org slash D.C. And uh, once you're there, come over, say hi. would love to meet you guys because I appreciate you so much. Later today, we're going to talk to Matt and Mercedes Schlapp, who run CPAC. They run the CPAC Foundation and, of course, the big event coming up later this week. So they will be here to give us an overview of what we can expect, including President Trump and a bunch of other heads of state who are leading the populist revolt around the world. So it is going to be quite the CPAC. Again, go get your ticket, cpac.org slash DC. Later this week, we are going to have a very important conversation about race and how it's been weaponized by the Marxists. Not just in the last couple of years, but in the last couple of decades. 
culminating in what we saw in 2020 and beyond with uh, Black Lives Matter, etc. And we're going to have this important conversation with a former BLM leader who saw the abuses of power, saw the movement go off the rails, and saw what BLM is really all about. It is, in fact, a Marxist movement, and it is a weapon. It's a weapon for the communists. He saw all of this uh, and has had quite the epiphany. So he is going to be here because he is now supporting President Trump. What a journey. What a journey to go from like the heart of BLM. He was a former BLM leader, actually, um, to now supporting President Trump. It is going to be a fascinating and very important conversation. You're going to want to be here for that coming up later in the week. Okay, and also next week, we're working on some really big things. So stay tuned for that. Also, I want to mention later today, I've been promising you this Russia angle that you have not heard, I don't think, from anybody else, I want to bring it to you. So you want to sit tight for that because our entire country was plunged into an epic, epic catastrophe over the Marxists, the globalists, the deep states, Russia hoax, which originated with Mrs. Clinton and then metastasized through Obama, Biden, Clapper, Comey, Brennan, and the others uh, to cripple Donald Trump's first term and plunge this country into an absolute disaster. The Russia hoax. There is a reason why they reached for Russia And I want to bring you something very important here. So buckle up for it because information is power. And I'm going to bring you an angle on this that I don't think you have heard yet. Okay, so that is coming up later today. First up, though, the Monica memo. Truckers and farmers are going to save the West. Not the deep state, not our elected people, not big tech, not Hollywood. No, no. Truckers and farmers are going to save the United States and the West. What the imperial media is not telling you is that all across Western Europe right now, and now we've got some Eastern European countries getting involved, there are massive, massive protests by European farmers to protest the whole net zero scam, the climate scam, where they essentially want to get rid of farmers. They want to control the flow of food like they control the flow of information And they want to lock down farmers. They want to sell off their land, basically. And now what we see happening here in the United States is a very similar dynamic. Now, we've got more farmland here because we're a bigger country, but the EU is massive. And we're seeing it happen here, where we are allowing Bill Gates and other globalists to buy up huge tracts of farmland in addition to the Chinese Communist Party buying up huge tracts of American farmland. If they control the food supply, they control you. If they control your health care, they control you. If they control your speech and the flow of information, they control you. Do you see how all of this is working together? So all across Europe now, the farmers are in revolt, and they've got a massive populist uh, backing behind them, average people coming out to support the farmers 
And now the truckers in Europe as well are backing up the farmers because the farmers produce the food we eat and then the truckers move that food into your local store so that you can purchase it and keep yourself and your family alive. Okay, food is the most basic element of human survival. Water, food, and your health, right? All interrelated. And the left is going at all of these pillars of your basic survival. We saw this during COVID. You're seeing it now. And so Europe is, Europe's probably six months to 12 months ahead of us on this stuff because the globalists are located there. So Europe is where all of these bad ideas begin and start to percolate and then metastasize around the world, including here in the United States. But also the backlash to these bad ideas also is ahead of our time in Europe. Okay. So you've got farmers in massive revolt that it's in like 10 or 12 countries where the farmers revolt is happening right now being backed up now by truckers. And you'll recall the original trucker movement was in Canada against Justin Trudeau, who was a World Economic Forum Young Leadership Program graduate. All of these people are installed by the globalist regime. They've all been trained, including Justin Trudeau. And so you'll recall, I think it was about two winters ago, where the truckers really led the revolt against Trudeau over the COVID lockdowns and all of the mandates and restrictions. And they had the populist support. They had the people's support. But Trudeau and the left that control the Canadian government and are taking Canada off the cliff, like Biden and the globalists and everybody else are taking America off the cliff, they locked down their bank accounts Remember that? Anybody involved in that Canadian trucker revolt had their bank accounts locked. What do you think this movement to central bank digital currency is all about? They want to take away your economic freedom. And oh, Monica, that's crazy town. Really? They did it right over the northern border in Canada just two years ago to truckers, to the populace who were not on the same page as Trudeau and the globalists making you put an experimental medication in your arm or have your access to your own money locked down, preventing you from spending how you wish, accessing that money as you wish. Your money. Central bank digital currency will do the exact same thing. They will be able to monitor every transaction. And if, God forbid, you step out of bounds, you say the wrong thing on X... You post the wrong thing on TikTok or Instagram. You overstep your monthly allotment for carbon, uh, whatever. Well, then they'll lock down your ability to access your money and put gas in your car so you won't be able to start your car or buy airline tickets, etc. Guys, we are very far down this track. It's already happening So the farmers are in revolt. The truckers are backing them up in Europe. And guess what? The truckers also got the memo here in the United States about what is happening. The truckers and the farmers are way ahead of most people because they're on the front lines of basic human survival. So the truckers saw what Judge Engeron, the communist judge who sat in judgment of Donald Trump, his family, and his business, and I guess it was Friday when they announced uh, the verdict, the judgment against Trump, 
um, like $350 million when you put it all together, more probably, um, when the judgments against Don Jr. and Eric and the, the organization and now interest being compounded is more like 360, 365 million. Okay. So the truckers are pissed and they're all over social media. <laughs> They're all over social media, and it is fantastic. I put one up on my Twitter account. Go check it out. One guy is like, hey, man, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. We are so angry. Who even President Trump posted his rant up on truth. Um, You know, he was like, of the truckers, 95% are for Donald Trump. And then he goes, I don't know a single one who's for Biden. (laughs) Very funny and very good. So truckers know that they are the lifeblood of this country and they're taking a stand. A lot of them will not bring their loads now into New York City in protest. So essentially they're going to starve out New York City. I'm sure some truckers will go in. This is not a foolproof thing, but you've got a lot of truckers who are on the same page starting yesterday saying, hey man, we're done. We're, We're sick of this Marxist assault on President Trump in the most unfair kind of ways. So most of these truckers work for themselves and own their own rigs and they don't answer to anybody and they can deliver their load to wherever and still get paid. So the boycott of New York City is underway. Listen to some of these pro-Trump truckers talking about, hey, F-A-F-O, listen. I've been on the radio talking talking to drivers for about the last hour, hour 15 minutes, and uh, I'm talking to at least 10 drivers going the other way. I'm heading down from South Wisconsin, and uh, they're going to start refusing loads in New York City, all right? Uh, I got about three drivers that I drive with. They already vibrated the boss and told them they ain't going to New York City. So, I, I don't know... Uh, how far across the country this is or how many truckers are going to start denying loads to go going to New York City but <laughs> I'll tell you what you fuck around and find out Yep. You know what, guys? There are more of us than there are of uh, them, meaning the globalists, the deep state, the leftists, the the Marxists. More of us than there are of them. And when we feel our own power, we exert it. We're not organized like the left, but these truckers are more organized than, say, the RNC. And thank God we're getting new RNC leadership soon. I mean, it should have been done a year ago, but anyway, better late than never, I guess. But with every passing day, we're losing time, critical, critical time on election integrity issues, so many other issues. We are going to get a change of leadership here, but I mean, it should have been done a long time ago. But these truckers and these farmers are way more organized and it's all organic. Thank God for them. F-A-F-O. Okay, thank God for them. One of the reasons why uh, they're targeting New York, obviously, and Garan and Letitia James, uh, the state attorney general, etc., that bringing all of these bogus cases against Trump. Most of them are seated in New York City. Then you got Jack Smith's cases, and then you got the Georgia case, which is falling apart because Fannie is getting her Fannie handed to her uh, for corruption. So you have all of these moving elements, but New York City is really the locus of a lot of this. 
And uh, keep in mind, while all this against Trump is going on, New York City is a sanctuary city. Mayor Eric Adams over the years, oh, very proud that New York is a sanctuary city. Come, we embrace all seekers. Come to New York City. Well, it was all fun and games as long as, you know, nobody actually followed up on that or took him up on that. All fun and games. And then by the hundreds of thousands, illegal immigrants started to be shipped from the border towns in Texas and Arizona, some elsewhere, uh, up to New York City. And now New York, like Chicago and D.C. and San Francisco and so many other left-wing cities, are now drowning in illegals. Well, get this, on top of the fact that you've got American citizens now being booted or shunted way down the line in favor of illegal immigrants, hotels being taken over, so now you no longer can stay in a luxury hotel in New York uh, unless you're willing to pay a real premium, but so many other hotels now, mm, you want to stay there, sorry, no can do, we're here for illegal immigrants who are trashing these places and will not eat the food given to them by the city and state of New York. Not good enough for them. You also had a school in the New York City area where students on a snow day, American kids were booted out of the school to make way for illegal immigrants who have this tent city that the city set up on Randall's Island. And because it was so cold and snowy, they had to move the illegals out of there and they put them in the school. So they booted the American kids out of the school and put them on Zoom the next day. That was their school for illegal immigrants. But still, the sanctuary city status uh, continues. The New York Post last night posted a really important article, and I want to read you part of it. The headline is, and it's written by the great Nicole Galinas. Her work is excellent. The title is Inside Mayor Adams' Migrant Debit Card Boondoggle. No bid bank gets $50 million dollars. Border crossers get up to $10,000 each. I saw this headline uh, last night uh, before I went to bed, and I I couldn't even sleep. I printed it out. I was like, oh, man, I got to do this on the show today. Here's how she writes the piece. Quote, it takes money to make money, as the old saying goes, and apparently it also takes money as much as $53 million to give money away. Earlier this month, the New York Post broke the story that Mayor Adams is giving out prepaid cash cards to migrants. All right, so I guess the Post has made an editorial decision to call illegals migrants, but I'm going to use the words illegal aliens, just so you know, as I read you this piece. She continues, quote, Unusually for the mayor, Adams didn't publicize the story himself, and his administration, for nearly a month, failed to correct several public misperceptions about it. One misperception is that the program allows the city to give out just $50 million to illegals. No wonder the mayor has been reticent. The debit card program, if you read the actual contract, has the potential to become an open-ended, multi-billion dollar Bermuda Triangle of disappearing, untraceable cash used for any purpose. It will give illegals up to $10,000 each in taxpayer money with no ID check, no restrictions, and no fraud control. 
That's the open of the piece. She continues, quote, when the Post exposed the mayor's debit card program earlier this month, the mayor's office spun it as a money saving program to solve a problem. Illegals staying in hotels don't eat all their food. Go, the city's no-bid emergency contractor to provide illegals with three meals a day, throws away up to 5,000 meals daily, wasting $7.2 million a year. Some food is inedible, expired or rotten, and other food doesn't meet my, uh, the migrants' illegals' dietary needs. No, actually, the story has been reported that these illegals just, they look at the hamburger and they're like, oh, not for me. I don't want it. She continues, providing mass-scale meals competently and with options for specific needs. Halal, kosher, vegan, non-gluten. So imagine, you come to the United States, you break our laws to get in here, you find yourself in New York City, and you're like, oh, hi, I'm a vegan. Oh, hi, I, I I don't eat gluten. She says, finding these kind of meals isn't that hard. The school system does it. Airlines do it. Hospitals and jails do it. Okay, wouldn't be that difficult to solve the problem. So she's saying you don't need this massive $53 billion boondoggle. She goes on to say that, you know, by city and state law, you're supposed to have a bidding war. So if you're going to companies for a certain project, you're supposed to, to save the taxpayer money, you're supposed to go through a bidding process and then essentially go with the lowest bid to actually do the job. She writes here that the city's Housing Preservation and Development Agency only considered one uh, organization for this contract, only one. So it was a no-bid situation. Newark-based Mobility Capital Finance, which is a woke uh, institution here. Uh, she writes, what did this uh, organization, Mobility Capital, bring to this complex endeavor? What kind of experience? None, she writes, that they have no experience in doing exactly this. And then she quotes uh, Mayor Adams earlier this month, Uh, calling this organization, it's a minority business, quote, that we met on the campaign trail. Little did we know that God is going to say there is going to be a crisis. You're going to have to meet them and it's going to cost us money. All right. So much to unpack here, but suffice it to say the corruption runs deep here. When Mayor Adams says, oh, little did we know that God was going to say, here's a crisis, with illegal immigrants. No, it's not God creating the crisis. It's Joe Biden and now impeached Alejandro Mayorkas creating the problem. All on purpose. And every time Mayor Adams stepped forward to say, hey man, city of New York cannot take this, the FBI was sicked on him. Remember that? Where he was accosted on the street by federal agents in a corruption investigation, had his phones taken from him. This was right around Thanksgiving. Remember that? We talked about this story. So Mayor Adams has now learned that you don't ever dare step out of line on the open border and illegal immigration, even after he once said it is drowning New York City, which it is. You cannot say the truth or they will destroy you. So now he's on board over $50 million project here, okay, $10,000 
going to every single illegal immigrant in the city of New York, $10,000. This is what the hardworking people of New York City are paying for. So no wonder, you know, everybody wants to go to New York. Maybe we should renounce our American citizenship, flee the country, and then come across the border, go back to New York, and get your $10,000. And this is just a lowball estimate. These illegals are going to get way more than 10000 you know, over the course of whatever, however long they're here. If this doesn't fry your ass, I don't know what will. Nothing, I mean, few things, there are other things, but few things infuriate me more than this. And the whole idea that it's all being done by design to put America last, Americans last, to screw you over, giving these illegal immigrants who are committing crimes all over the place $10,000 each, Oh, no, 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 no. Here is Congressman Benny Thompson talking about how, and remember, Benny Thompson led the January 6th committee along with Liz Cheney. So you know where he is coming from. Listen to him bemoan the fact that so many Americans still support Trump. I'm not surprised, but I'm really disappointed that there's still so many people in this country who somehow see this person as a viable choice to be the Republican nominee for president of the United States. So, Congressman Thompson, if you really want to know why so many people still support Donald Trump, this. This is why. $10,000 going to every single illegal immigrant in the city of New York is going to be a giant magnet. So all the illegals who are all across the country are going to run to New York City to get their share. Ten grand at the very least, plus education for their kids, free health care, free meals. Even if they don't like them, they have something to eat. They don't have to go forage for it. Mm-hmm. This is why. So many people still support Donald Trump, Congressman Thompson. Despite his best efforts and Liz Cheney's best efforts, Adam Kinzinger, all of these globalists and Marxists and deep staters who tried to destroy Donald Trump with the frame-up of January 6th and the additional frame-up of the J6 committee, you tried your best, Congressman Thompson, to destroy Donald Trump, and he is still standing. And you want to know why? You're scratching your noggin, Congressman Thompson, to figure out why. This is why, among many reasons, what is going on in New York City and at the border. This is why. All right, let's hit a quick break. When we come back, uh, we're going to turn to Russia. And I want to bring you something that is going to blow your mind. That is coming right up. Okay, listen up, guys. We all want to be as healthy as we can possibly be, right? Well, for me, Field of Greens is part of that answer because Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Field of Greens is literally one scoop a day, and it tastes great. I personally love the original greens flavor and the wild berry flavor, and it's completely improved my life. It actually makes me feel more alive and with more energy. I've also noticed that my hair and skin seem healthier, plus it can help with digestion and sleep. I just feel better and healthier overall. This is nutrition the way nature intended. Field of Greens is radically different. 
Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you a 100% money back guarantee. And here's the best part. I got you 15% off your very first order and free rush shipping. Can't beat that. So visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com. That's fieldofgreens.com, promo code MONICA. Go get some Field of Greens and feel better today. Okay, guys, welcome back. Um, If you have been wondering over the years why Hillary Clinton and then Obama and Biden and the deep state settled on Russia as a way to try to discredit and destroy Donald Trump's candidacy in 2016 and then his presidency, um, you know, a lot of people have had that mystery in their heads, right? Like, why Russia? They could have done anything. I mean, the deep state does not lack for creativity. Okay, so why did they settle on Russia? Well, this is a complex issue. And by the way, you still see it percolating. Tucker Carlson's amazing and very important interview with Vladimir Putin was released, I think, last week. If you haven't listened to it, go on X and listen to the whole thing. It's over an hour, but it is fascinating. Um, And to this day, you know, oh, Tucker is a Putin stooge. The same Russia-based smears that they use against Trump, that they use against any of us who support Trump, you must be a Russian asset. Uh, If you just want to uh, lay out the facts here and actually listen to what the Russians are trying to tell you. And throughout Tucker's interview, Putin, and again, he is KGB and he is a murderer. So there is uh, nobody is an apologist here. Certainly I am not for Vladimir Putin. But the man was telling the truth to Tucker when he said, look, when the Soviet Union collapsed uh, and suddenly we had 15 uh, fresh new republics out of the Soviet Union, and there was chaos, and we were trying to privatize things that had been under command economy control for a long time, and we're out there doing all this. And so during this period of time, throughout the 1990s, Putin told Tucker, and he's told the world, that there was conversation in the West about expanding NATO eastward toward Russia. NATO's whole reason for being, at least originally, was oriented toward the Soviet threat to prevent Moscow from sending tanks across the plains of Europe. We did not want, we were in a a bipolar world, we did not want the Soviet Union claiming more territory. So NATO was created, you had NATO, and then on the other side you had the Warsaw Pact led by Moscow. Okay, So Europe was split into two, And uh, everybody knew where the lines were. Well, when the Soviet Union collapsed, there were no more clear lines. And so Yeltsin was a bit of a mess early on, and then he went away, and you got Putin. And Putin heard the discussions in NATO about expanding NATO eastward, because you had now free countries, or at least freer countries, in the former Warsaw Pact zone, the Soviet orbit of power, and they wanted in. They wanted protection from a new Russia. 
That is understandable. But what is also understandable is what Moscow was trying to say. And Putin told Tucker again, he went to NATO and he went to Western leaders and he went to American presidents and he's like, look, man, I get where you're coming from. Okay, these countries, they're new democracies. They want the protection. All I can tell you is my country, after the Soviet Union fell apart, we're relatively weak. We're trying to get back on our feet here. I I have no interest in expansionism. I'm not going to go invade my neighbors. I got my own mess to worry about. But here's what I need. I need not to have NATO on my doorstep. Okay, so I need a buffer zone. Like y'all need a a buffer zone. I need a buffer zone. So you cannot put NATO up my butt. He said it more diplomatically than I just did, but you get the picture. Okay. And again, nobody is apologizing for Putin, but you got to understand when you are the head of a great power or a formerly great power like Putin is, you've got to work with them in certain ways. Okay. And NATO did not, and the American presidents from George H.W. Bush through Bill Clinton all the way through did not respect that, did not respect what Putin was trying to tell them. So for what, 12, 15 years, maybe more, Putin is out there saying, look, man, I'm trying to work with you. I want better relations. Let's do it. No, 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 no. And not just no, forget about it. Vladimir, but we're going to put NATO right on your doorstep. Even though you asked us not to, we're going to do that anyway. So there is a freedom agenda, which we all espouse. And then there is the interests of a great power, Russia, a very proud power with a long, proud history. Okay. And they're telling you what they need. And we just continually blew them off. So this is the background for the invasion of Ukraine, because Putin was like, all right, man, tried to tell you, (laughs) I tried to tell you, now you're leaving me no choice. So here's what I'm going to go do. And then there was a peace plan between Zelensky, the Ukrainians and the Russians like, okay, here's how we're going to divide this up so that we can essentially avoid a war. But the Western deep state could not have that. So the U.S., and the UK and so many others got involved to blow up the deal, the peace deal. Boris Johnson flies over there, blows up the deal at the behest of Joe Biden. And the, the Biden team, the deep state here, blew it up. And so now Putin throws up his hands like, you got to be kidding me. Okay, well, here we go. I'm telling you all of this because... It it sets the table for what I'm about to tell you now. What I'm about to tell you now is going to blow you away because everybody has forgotten about it. They pounded Donald Trump into the ground for wanting better relations with Putin and Russia. Just like Tucker Carlson goes over there, he must be a Russian stooge. What are you doing? You want better relations. Well, they want you to forget this, that Barack Obama, Joe Biden, and Mrs. Clinton, when they were all in the Obama administration, wanted better relations with Putin and Russia. 
I'm going to read you what I wrote in my book, What the Bleep Just Happened, which was published in 2012. This is the little section on Russia. Listen, quote, in early March 2009, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton boarded her jet to Moscow with a small surprise packed in her luggage. She couldn't wait to arrive and presented to her host, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov. What awaited Lavrov was one of Obama's olive branches. Actually, it wasn't a real olive branch. It was a large red plastic button, like the kind you hit on Jeopardy when you're ready to answer in the form of a question. During the 2008 campaign, listen now, Obama had criticized the Bush administration for damaging relations with the Russians through, quote, provocative acts, such as promising our Eastern European allies a missile defense shield and criticizing Russia for its invasion of democratic Georgia. Obama promised that he'd work to restore relations with Russia through his ready incentives offensive. Bush had used sticks. Obama would use carrots. How could the Russians not want to give up their national interests and fall madly in love with Obama the way so many others had already done? Obama promised to hit the reset button in order to restart our bilateral relationship. And so somebody in the State Department, perhaps Hillary herself, came up with the button gimmick. With dramatic flair, she presented the plastic button to Lavrov. Stamped on top was the Russian word for reset, or so she thought. Hillary asked eagerly, quote, we worked hard to get the right Russian word. Do you think we got it? Lavrov took one look at the button and smiled broadly, suppressing a major eye roll. You got it wrong, he replied. He then told the U.S. Secretary of Hope and Change that the Russian translation of the word wasn't reset, but overcharge. Hillary laughed nervously and said, we won't let you do that to us. Lavrov simply nodded, probably wondering how the United States had gone from Thomas Jefferson to this pantsuited fool. Lavrov would have been more satisfied with a t-shirt that had an arrow pointing in Hillary's direction that said, I'm with dummy. My book was so good. I continue. The leftists were determined to make the U.S.-Russia relationship more Oprah and Gayle and less Kim and Paris. Remember, at the time, Kardashian and Hilton were at each other's throats. I go on. In order to move away from the Bush-era hostility and woo Moscow into being our BFF, Obama settled on the idea of a reset. Obama fell over himself to shower the Russians with unprecedented concessions in order to show them that we could be friends instead of frenemies or outright enemies. And then my book goes on. So what, what is happening here? Obama, Biden, and Hillary wanted a good relationship with Putin and Russia. What was that about? But they didn't want Donald Trump to do it. Here's what I think. By the way, the reason I'm reading this to you is because they want you to forget that they were all about a Russian reset. What I think was going on here is that Obama, Biden, and Hillary were doing managed decline of the United States, strategic retreat for America. 
And so trying to warm up relations with the Russians would accelerate that. But also keep in mind something else that's big. They were all, including us, we know Biden, and certainly Hillary and so many others, deep, deeply in bed with the Chinese Communist Party. They're all making tons of money. We know certainly Biden, the Biden family, thanks to Tony Bobulinski's testimony last week and others, deeply in bed with the CCP. What Trump wanted to do, they did not want anybody disturbing their lucrative relationship with China. If they warmed up relations with Russia, that's fine. They could continue their relationship with China, no problem. What Trump wanted to do was to warm relations with Putin and Russia in a strategic move to use Russia as a strategic counterweight against growing Chinese power. It is a reverse Nixon. Nixon opened the door to China to use China as a counterweight against growing Soviet power. Trump wanted to do the opposite, to aggressively take on China by working with the Russians as a strategic counterweight. They could not allow that to happen. They could not allow their lucrative relationships with Beijing be interrupted in any way by warming relations with Russia under Trump that would disturb all of that. And so I bring it full circle. It's not about warming relations with Russia. They themselves wanted to do that. It is about that being used to disturb the cozy relationships they all have with the CCP and allowing China then to dominate the world. They could not allow that to happen. That is why they stopped Donald Trump, or at least tried to, with the Russia hoax. They could have made up an Iranian hoax or a Venezuelan hoax or whatever. They settled on this, not because they didn't want warmer relations with Russia. They themselves were trying to do that. But they were worried that Trump was going to do that in order to aggressively confront China. And that they could not have. This is a brilliant analysis, if I say so myself, and you guys are hearing it here first. All right, let's hit a quick break. When we come back, we're going to switch gears and talk to Matt and Mercedes Schlapp about CPAC coming up. Populist revolts going all across the world. Sit tight. Okay, guys, listen up. A lot going on, all stirring the uncertainty pot. Elections in Taiwan, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, our own election coming up. There's a lot of global instability swirling around. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? It's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold, and Birch Gold Group can help you do that. As opposed to many other investments, gold thrives in times of uncertainty, and it's an important part of diversifying your savings. Here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of your portfolio. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. 
Just text Monica to 989-898 for a free info kit. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, Birch Gold Group is your trusted go-to for diversifying with gold. Arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Just text Monica to 989-898 and claim your free info kit and protect your savings with gold today. Well, I am so happy today to welcome two of my very dear, dear friends who are such important uh, figures in the conservative movement, the populist movement, and of course, the America First movement. Matt Schlapp is the chairman of CPAC, and he is the co-host of CPAC Now, America Uncancelled, and he joins on that show with his gorgeous wife and my dear friend, Mercedes Schlapp, who is a senior fellow at the CPAC Foundation, and she joins Matt in that great show, CPAC Now, America Uncancelled. Mercy also served as White House Senior Advisor for Strategic Communications for President Trump, and it was so much fun to serve with her in the Trump administration. And I don't know about her, but I am certainly looking forward to going back and serving with her in a second Trump administration. <laughs> Maybe Matt, too. We'll ask them both. But what a treat it is to have you both here today. Well, Great to be Monica, with you, Monica. You're my- you're, you're my gorgeous friend, so there you go. Oh, uh, well, right go back at you. It, it is. It's such a pleasure to have you both with us. Usually you guys are off doing your own thing and spreading the word and getting out the messaging about CPAC coming up this week, etc. So it's great to have you both. Um, CPAC is happening this week in Washington. The website, guys, is cpac.org slash DC, cpac.org slash DC. So if you don't already have your tickets, go there and get them right now. Matt, Mercy, you're going to tell us all about it. I am speaking once again this year. I'm thrilled. I'm speaking Thursday morning. So you're going to want to be there for that. And then all the way through, because there are so many phenomenal speakers coming up and so many great events around CPAC. So guys, let's get into it. What do you have planned for everybody this year? Well, Monica, uh, as you know, uh, CPAC brings together the 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 activists from all over the United States. And now this has become a global phenomenon. We are going to kick off CPAC on Wednesday with our very first CPAC international summit. Over 15 um, countries are attending. And Matt, as I hear and jump in, is getting calls from even more countries saying we need to be there. And the theme this year is where globalism goes to die. We need to (laughs) So great elitism yeah i know the globalism movement that's destroying the sovereignty of nations that is trying to dictate how you eat what car you drive what you know how how you pray basically how you raise your children and it's basically taking back our individual freedoms our rights and also finding community within cpac to tackle and be on the front line of all these issues that we know are, are basically that our country is facing right now. We're going to talk about all these issues from border security or lack thereof because of the Biden atrocities um, to what is going to be happening during the election year. Uh, I, I mean, we're even talking about food, what happens if there's a food shortage in this country and in the globe. So it, it's really going to be, I would, we always say that this year is the most important year, but I really feel that this event is, is epic, especially because we have two foreign leaders uh, coming to speak, both President Bukele, who is the uh, president of El Salvador, and uh, President 
Javier Malay, who is an international sensation, an anti-socialist, and a strong capitalist who will be speaking, as well as, obviously, President Donald Trump, who we're very honored will be joining us. You know, Matt, I can't think of a more apt theme for CPAC this year than what Mercy just laid out where globalism goes to die, because every single issue we are facing in this country today is the globalist agenda. And yeah, we talk about communism and all of that is animating philosophies of this, but it is globalism, including the wide open border, which is all about erasing the world's borders to get us to a one world government where the globalists sit on top of all of us and rule from Brussels or Geneva or somewhere else. And there's no more national sovereignty. So talk to us a little bit about flesh it out a little bit about some of these globalist themes. Mercy just touched on it, but what can we expect? do you think from Malay and Bukele and then of course Donald Trump on Saturday well I think what's really interesting is on Wednesday to start the whole thing off we have like Mercy said these 15 countries coming together and literally I'm sitting here and receiving calls from people that saying this uh, country wants to come that country wants to come Greece wants to be there Saudi Arabia wants to be there so you know CPAC was always uh, an interesting event but it was never quite such an international phenomenon as it's become. And the reason that is, is what you just described, which is we all feel the hurt. We feel the hurt of the social media companies trying to harm us and silence us. We feel the harm of the big uh, conglomerates, the big corporations who uh, say that there's no room uh, in their top echelon for people who have our views or for white men or for straight people or for white people or Christian people. The insanity of that racism and hate that's been formalized in their HR policies. We all feel uh, the real concern when we're fighting with our kids about principals and teachers telling them they must take certain medicines or take certain vaccines and not to talk to their parents about it or that somehow parents don't matter anymore. And that goes down to like even these crazy ideas of uh, these uh, you know, gender uh, theories and race theories. And you know, I always think about it this way, which is we do these CPACs all over the world you know, nobody has a school system that teaches their kids and their grandkids to hate their own country. Ours does with our taxpayer dollars. They, t- they teach us to despise our parents, despise our founding, despise our constitution. And so we're, in a, we're real, in a real emergency situation. In some ways, it's worse in America than it is in these other countries we go to. In some ways, it's worse in those other countries. I think it's pretty cool that we're all going to come together and say, here's what worked here. Here's what's working there. And then we're going to try to put a statement out. And that statement is going to be aimed like a bullet right at the World Economic Forum and right at the WHO and right at the EU, that free people still have power. And we're going to take that power back. And we're going to stand up for these principles. It's almost like a Declaration of Independence moment for all of us who still believe in freedom around the globe. And that's going to happen at CPAC. And that's why these leaders are coming, like President Bukele and President Malay and, of course, Donald Trump. And, uh, and Mr. Abascal from Spain, who's the leading conservative politician there, and others, um, they're all coming because they recognize that Donald Trump is the linchpin to everything. If he can win in November, they all have hope to have success in their own countries. You know what's so interesting, guys, when you think about the modern populist revolt 
that you guys are really going to give voice to this week at CPAC. Um, And of course, Donald Trump is the leader of that populist revolt here in the United States. But if you think about the recent history of it, you go back to maybe 2014. I'm talking about the modern day. I'm not talking about the Nixon revolt or the Reagan revolution. But the modern version of this, 2014, when the people decided that they wanted in Crimea, that they, they wanted to join Russia, all of a sudden the globalists went, holy crap. You know, when you give people the vote and a real voice and you don't censor and you don't lock them down and you don't tie their hands, they choose in ways that we're not really happy with that doesn't fit our agenda. And then in 2016, you had Brexit. And I know you guys have Nigel Farage coming. Can't wait for that as well. Then Donald Trump wins in 2016. 16 and the globalists went crazy, right? And they were vowed never again. We're never going to be caught flat footed like we were in 2016 again. We're going to stay on top of it. But what you guys are highlighting at CPAC this year is that there, we, we have now understood that there are more of us than there are of them. And when we start to feel our own power and start to take it back, they freak out and that makes them even more dangerous, which makes meetings like this even more important for us to realize that we actually do have the power and to be prepared for when they lash out and try to put even more controls on us, right? Yeah, and and I think part of this, Monica, is that there's a huge propaganda machine that has um, been built out by the left that the uh, main, uh, let's not call it mainstream, the leftist media partakes in, and they spend their time, in addition to the very weaponized Department of Justice and these overzealous prosecutors in these blue states, going after conservatives, going after conservative groups, going after uh, anyone associated with Donald Trump or MAGA, and their ultimate goal is complete destruction of this, not only MAGA movement, but it is this patriotic conservative movement uh, in this country. And they use lawfare very effectively. And so that has really put, I think, conservatives at a disadvantage. And it's very troubling to watch these tactics being used um, where their focus is is to bankrupt you, as we saw what they're doing with President Trump and many of his um, colleagues, and and to take you down. And this is what you see in these authoritarian regimes. This is what you see in places like Russia. Uh, and quite frankly, you know, this is the moment that in America we can still fight back. And we are the majority. And we can't be silenced uh, because the left really wants us to follow their line, their, line, their political thoughts, uh, their political uh, obsession and ideology whether it's on the issue of climate change, where it's on the issue of who you vote for for president, like trying to take them off to the ballot, whether it's on abortion and they, whether it's on gender ideology, like you're going to say it's okay that there's 50 something, 60 something genders and that, uh, you, you know, you, that a, that a little girl should like, they should cut off her breast at the age of 14. It's insane. And we have a responsibility to stop the insanity and we have a responsibility to speak up and push back against this extremism, this Marxism that's really trying to penetrate our, not only our society, but the, the, the families in our communities. And, and so I think that's why you're seeing so many of these heroes um, really pop up. Many of them go to CPAC, okay. and when they go to CPAC, then they head over and run for school board or run for Congress or, 
you know, or really get involved in their community from a political standpoint. And that's what's so inspirational because they understand that while the authoritarian regimes are trying to create this you are alone mentality, there's no one who thinks like you. CPAC makes it into this family, into this community where they know they have the resources, they know they have the support that so they can go back to their own communities and, and, and fight back. You know, I know I've said this to you guys before, but it bears repeating. I love what you have done with CPAC over the years, because I remember early on going to CPAC and speaking at CPAC, and it was very much a, and it still is a conservative-focused organization, obviously, but you guys understood what was happening in 2015 and 2016 and reoriented the organization so that it really did reflect where the grassroots were, which is this populist nationalist movement. And yes, Donald Trump is the symbol of it. He's the leader of it. But it really rides on the rest of us, us normal Americans who want to restore America back to its foundational principles. And yes, make America great again. So you guys have done a tremendous job reorienting CPAC to make sure it meets the moment and then gives our fellow Americans this sense of community mercy, as you point out, which is so important because you guys know better than anybody, sometimes fighting these fights is a really isolating experience. We get disheartened, we get beaten down, which is what the other side wants. So to come together a couple of times a year, and certainly this big CPAC meeting in Washington every year, gives everybody a sense like, hey man, we're not in this battle alone, we're making friends, we're making connections, that's number one. But also the set of tools that you give, real actionable items and and agenda items that you give to the people attending so that they can make change in their own communities. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, first let me just say one of the reasons why I think uh, we understood at CPAC that things were changing was just the personal experience that Mercy and I and others have had in Washington, D.C., where you know we've been Republicans. Mercy and I met working in the Bush White House. We have lots of friends in what we now refer to as the swamp or former friends, I guess, maybe is more accurate in most cases. But, you know, we realized that the Republican Party did a great job of telling us what we wanted to hear. And then when they got power, they explained to us why they couldn't get it done at that time. And they've done that over and over and over again. And I had met with Donald Trump a couple of times before he ever declared in 2016, uh, because he had you know spoken at CPAC for a number of years. And and quite honestly, I wanted to meet with him because he was like someone that when I was younger, it was like this big, huge, you know, famous person. And we had these conversations where he wasn't your traditional conservative who knew all the sound bites, but he had this brain where he just asked you all these questions. And I thought, wow, this is interesting. I've never met with a politician who's like, he's listening more than he's talking. And so when I would go back to DC and tell people, Hey, I think Trump is really going to take off. They would say, yeah, but he's not a conservative. And I would say, well, you're, you keep electing the people that are conservatives, but then they're too timid to do anything once they get in. Why don't we take a chance on someone who actually hasn't been a conservative, but will maybe have the you-know-whats that when he gets in there, he'll actually do the things. And uh, so to me, it seemed like a very, very smart bargain. It was a good trade, and it was a good trade for the country. And I think that um, I think the American people saw that as well. They saw the Republican Party as failing just too – I mean, if you had a head coach that failed this much, you fired them. You wouldn't uh, keep letting them lose the Super Bowl. And that's what we've kind of done as Republicans, thinking about you know, people like Mitt Romney and John McCain just a few years ago were our standard bearers. These are people that would get booed at a CPAC if they had the guts to show up. 
And, uh, and so I think our, our grassroots people, I, I actually, the only thing I think is different is they don't need to know a lot about what they need to do because it's come down to some very basic things. They need to go and speak up at their school boards. They need to go speak up in their communities. And they need to stop whispering and they need to stop being silent. We've been so quiet and polite as conservatives that we've let the left, a tiny minority of this country, steal everything from us. I mean steal everything from us. So it's time for us to get loud. It's time for us to get uh, a little bit obnoxious at times when it's needed. And then it's time to go guard our vote. I mean, that's a very big part of this, which is we've got to make sure that we have an election system where we follow each and every rule. And it's not just the Republicans who have to follow the rule and the Democrats don't in the big cities. And we're going to lose our country if we don't step in and, and get aggressive over that as well. So I think what, what needs to be done has never been clearer. The question is, are we going to do it? And I think we are. You know, it's such a big project in front of us because I say this all the time on this show and elsewhere. The, the left, the, this is a Marxist revolution, okay? And however you want to cast it, it is a Marxist revolution. Mercy, you know this better than anybody being of, of Cuban descent. And it, that is the animating philosophy, but the overall drive is power power and control. So when you get the communists working hand in glove with the globalists, working hand in glove with the deep state, you have this confluence of interests that all meet together. You know, people sometimes, some of my friends, they'll say to me, Monica has such a conspiracy theory, really? And I'm like, you don't need a conspiracy. You just (laughs) need a confluence of interests from these groups and these globalists and communists, etc., to all come together. And then they're all on the same page. And their agenda is all one and the same. And this is what CPAC is going to deconstruct uh, this week. Um, uh, Final couple of questions for you guys. I know you've got President Trump coming on Saturday. That is the day of the South Carolina primary where he's going to crush Nikki Haley. I see she is not on the speaker's list this year. Um, So Trump is going to speak earlier in the day on Saturday than usual, correct? Uh, As of now, uh, we don't really verify times because of, uh, you know, security concerns. But yes, as of now, since he has to be to South Carolina, the plan is for him to speak earlier. But the one thing I've learned about President Trump is he will determine when he speaks. And it could change between now and then, Monica. You know that. <laughs> True. That, that is true. That's true. Well, if he decides that he wants to speak on Thursday morning when I'm scheduled to speak, I will be more than happy to, to stand aside for the great man. Um, also, uh, you've got Vivek Ramaswamy. You've mentioned, guys, that you have, I think, most of the possible VP candidates who are in the running, probably on Trump's shortlist. They're all going to be speaking. You've got Vivek. You've got uh, J.D. Vance. You've got, let's see Dr. Ben Carson, Christy Nome. You've got a bunch of great people coming up. And then I think your poll is surrounding the VP choice, correct? Yeah, I mean, uh, Mercy, jump in on the straw poll, but usually it's the presidential question that matters so much. But I do think this year it's the VP. Yeah, you got Byron Donalds, you got a bunch of other potential VPs. They're yeah. all going to be auditioning, yeah. Mercy, right? It is. I think Matt said it perfectly. It's like the, the president's version of apprentice (laughs) so it's you know ben carson is speaking elise stefanik byron donald christy no governor christy Nome. um i'm missing a few here jd vance senator jd vance vivek so really they're all coming and it's you have to think like they are also campaigning down in south carolina for the president but as we know president trump is gonna just win by such 
large margins in South Carolina. This race is over. There needs to be a shift to the general election. As we know, CPAC kicks off the general election in a way that it is Trump versus Biden. We know that Biden's goal is to uh, ensure that Donald Trump is convicted and is possibly thrown into jail because this is how the Democrats are now playing this game, which is absolutely dangerous to our republic. And uh, and it's why the President Trump is going to keep fighting back. And let me tell you, I I don't know how he does it. He is so strong. He really um, has to he continues to fight. And we know, Monica, I mean, when we were at the White House, when you know we were working in the administration, um, his ability to deal with adversary and with adversarial situations and 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 these really just hard moments. I mean, he rises to the occasion. He is superhuman, that is for sure, and I'm so happy to hear he's going to be at CPAC for the 16th time. Is that right? 14th or 16th, Matt? I think 14th, it's 14th. 14th. It, beats, it, beats yeah. the, it beats the Reagan record. Reagan uh, spoke at CPAC, you know, as he created his whole, whole national political career, and Donald Trump uh, started speaking at CPAC before he ran for president, spoke there every year he was president. Spoke there every year after that terrible election in 2020, even showed up in Orlando when they were trying to cancel CPAC. Um, he's been a great friend to this organization and to what it believes in. Well, that is for sure. And not bad for a non-politician leader, right, to show up to CPAC 14 times. He's just unbelievable, and he is superhuman. Um, guys, if you don't already have your tickets for CPAC, you must get them now. CPAC.org slash DC to get your tickets. Anything else you guys want to share about what's coming up this week? Well, I think one of the interesting things, Monica, is that faith is a big part of CPAC, and we're proud of that. And we're going to have Bishop Strickland there, who is the bishop who was essentially fired by Pope Francis. And uh, he's going to speak from the heart. And I don't know exactly what he's going to say, but I'm very interested to hear that message. It's not just the secular world where we're experiencing cancel culture. It's everywhere. Well, guys, I'm so glad that you have Bishop uh, Strickland coming because this is a spiritual battle. This is spiritual warfare. And, you know, I tweeted a couple of months ago, I said, this is a spiritual war. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. And that tweet went all over the place. It went viral because people need to hear this over and over again. This is not just a secular Trump versus Biden, right versus left, globalist versus uh, real Democrats, small D Democrats. This is a spiritual battle and it's happening on a plane way above our heads. So I'm really way glad. Above. Yeah, I'm really glad Monica, that you're... Let me tell you, yeah, you, go have ahead. A, you have a strong Twitter game. Let me just tell you. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to say... I know you're not a kid anymore, but I do think after the years and the slings and arrows and having all the experience, Twitter is a great forum for those of us who uh, aren't kids to just say it like it is. That's it. And you know what? You learn as you get a little older and you realize the state the country is in, that when the country is hanging by a thread, as it is right now, there is no time to waste. There's no more pleasantries. There's no more, you know, oh, I got to, well, maybe I shouldn't say that on Twitter. Maybe I should hold my tongue. Uh Uh-uh. No more. (laughs) That is all done. So whether it's at CPAC or on social media like X slash Twitter, we are all on the same page where we don't, to quote the movie, Predator and Jesse Ventura at the time in that movie, we ain't got time to bleed. 
Okay, so we're putting it all out there, all out there. Um, Guys, I treasure your friendship so much. Thank you for inviting me to come speak at CPAC this week. Again, cpac.org slash DC, the great Matt and Mercedes Schlapp. Guys, thank you so much, and I'll see you later in the week. Thanks, Monica. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for joining me and for checking out our great sponsors. We're all really grateful for that. Have a very good start to your week. And I will see you right back here on Thursday with an important conversation about race and how it's been weaponized by the left for a long time with a former member of Black Lives Matter who is now MAGA. Fascinating conversation you're not going to want to miss. Thanks so much. Have a great week. This episode of the Monica Crowley podcast was produced by Bayhockle Entertainment, LLC. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.